You're listening to a podcast by the BCG Henderson Institute, BCG's Think Tank. In this series, hosted by fellow Dave Young, we'll interview business leaders and explore how companies can build competitive advantage by creating a sustainable world. Now on to our episode. Welcome to Building Competitive Advantage in a Sustainable World. This is the second part of our podcast discussion with Olivier Blum, the Chief Strategy and Sustainability Officer for Schneider Electric. Schneider was recently named the world's most sustainable company by corporate knights. And welcome to our second discussion. We've often talked about sustainability being a driver of innovation because it's sort of forcing a bit of a frame breaking between the business models that one has always pursued or the ways that problems have gotten solved. And all of a sudden you've changed and widened the objective function to say, no, I'm going to start including things like carbon, like gender parity in the equation. And because it's new ground, have you seen it driving innovation? Absolutely. And I can tell you, if you extend your question on what has been the impact on the people in charge, put yourself in the position of the people who are leading those transformation at Schneider. You join a company, you are in charge of environment, you are in charge of HR, you are in charge of talent. We give you the possibility to be different, to be unique, and therefore to innovate. That's great. Now, you can do it for another company when you run business as usual. But when you set up high ambitious, bold bet in sustainability, that creates a lot of momentum inside of the company and a lot of excitement. Now, at the same time, that forces people to think differently. And we love that because you start not only to be an innovator for your customer and for your business, which again is super important, but you try also to do social innovation, to do uh, innovation in the way you run your supply chain. Because of everything you do, the solutions are not in front of you. It comes back to this notion of being progressive, doing things differently. And you know what? At the end of the day, you de-risk the company in the midterm. Once you are able to tackle those topics ahead of the big disruption, that helps de-risk your, your company. Hopefully, of course, you have to pick up the right topic, making sure that you select those bold bets, which are the most important for, for your company. We often talk about sustainability as being one of the tools of building a more robust and resilient business, because it, in fact, is putting you in positions where you are ahead of what could be the consequences of environmental and social uh, outcomes. I would say innovative and resilient. Both are super important. We've talked about sort of the power of sustainability as a way of transforming the business, of practicing innovation, of expanding the horizons and the business models. All of these things, of course, are creating value and value for customers. How do you think about the customer? What are the things that you've learned over time in terms of enabling or empowering or bringing your customers into a view of sustainability? In the past 15 years, we refocused the entire portfolio of Schneider Electric on the topic of climate change and how we can develop solutions enabled by technology that can help our customers to go through their decarbonization journey. 15 years ago, it was not maybe very, very famous. So we were telling to our customers, if you don't do it for the planet, do it for your wallet. Now I think it's a bit more balanced, but that has been really the, the first for us. And then over time that we have done, what we have done, we have built a large number of solutions that help our customers. But we've realized also that to go through that decarbonization journey, some customers were a little bit lost. So we've started to go you know, up in the value chain 
by developing more system, by developing more software, because when you want to go through your decarbonization journey, you need to make sure as a global company in particular, you can have you know, control of all your entities in the world. You want to measure your energy consumption. You want to make bold commitment on renewable electricity. And last but not the least, in the past three years, we've decided even to go up to the consulting level. So what is very, very interesting today is that we have reached a stage where our customers somewhere have forced us to go up in the value chain and to become their strategic partner. And when we do strategy, we are completely agnostic. So we help companies to build their strategy, to define their carbon footprint, to build their carbon pledge. That's what we call the phase one. And if they want the help of Schneider to go through the decarbonization journey and to deliver really those savings in CO2 emission, what we call the phase two, they can do it with Schneider. So when you can connect really our own ESG strategy, what we do for ourselves, you know, moving, for instance, from 2% of renewable electricity at Schneider in 2017 to 80% by the end of 20, it's a lot in three years. So we are testing a lot of our own solution. And of course, we bring that to the market. And guess what? When you face customers and you can demonstrate a lot of good solutions, and on top of that, you can demonstrate that you have applied those solutions on your own company and you show concrete results, you are even more credible. So it's a kind of ecosystem. And I will tell you a last thing, not about customer, but employees. Our employees were very, very proud, actually, 5, 10, 15 years ago because of our CSR commitment. But today, they are even more proud to work of a company who is very committed for what we do for ourselves, but even more than the mission of the company as a positive impact on the planet. So it has a lot of benefit to have a fully integrated strategy between what you do for yourself and what you do for your customer. Olivia, could you say a little bit more about the diversity, equity, and inclusion at Schneider? You've had this remarkable career of leading the global activity on the people side, as well as then thinking as a strategist, thinking as a sustainability leader. Tell us a little bit more about how Schneider thinks about diversity, equity, inclusion, why that's one of the engines for your sustainability journey. It comes back a couple of years ago in the history of Schneider, when Schneider Electric, first of all, has started to develop a lot in the emerging countries. Schneider Electric was more a European company by origin, with a very strong footprint in North America. But 30 years ago, we've started our journey in the emerging economy. We've realized that very, very quickly, if ultimately we want to be successful, we need to empower local people. We need to make sure we can develop people who know the market, who know the culture, who speak the language. And then by practicing and by onboarding more and more people, we've realized that different people around the table is extremely powerful from an innovation standpoint. So that became, if you want, a very strong element of our culture. How can we build a company where all the people will have the same chance of success? So just to give a quick example on how we want to create those equal opportunities for everyone, we have decided to relocate the top 500 global jobs of the company from one place, which was our historical headquarters in Europe, to the different geographies of Schneider. So it doesn't mean that we have moved 500 Europeans to Asia and North America. It means that we have relocated jobs to develop and promote more of our local talent in North America and Asia. And you know what? In the world of today, 
most of the people, they want to stay in their country of origin. So when you are in the US, in China, in India, and you are a European company by origin, and you show to your employee that they can have a local job in sales, in marketing, in R&D, but at one point of time, they can take a global responsibility still staying in the same location, that's extremely powerful. And there was a secondary impact that we did not anticipate at the beginning. It's very, very powerful to attract women in leadership. Because many, many of our female talents, they are actually even less mobile than our male talents. So it has helped also to attract and retain and develop a large number of female talents. We have really started to delocalize the management. That gives really the same chance of success to every single employee in the world, whatever is your gender, your nationality, or your education. You're convincing us that you are very much at the leading edge of uh, sustainability. From that position on the leading edge, where does corporate sustainability head now? What does it mean for business strategy? We continue, as far as we are concerned, to lead it the way we have been leading in the past 15 years. I think that will continue like that for the next 10, 20, 50, whatever. Because as I said, it's a race without a finishing line. And there will be always opportunity to innovate in the field of environment, social, and governance. So for me, there is really no finishing line. The risk we have in front of us, on one side, all large companies in the world are really uh, making commitments. The only risk you have is that people start to, we talk a lot about greenwashing. I mean, using that as a way to communicate and to over-communicate. And we start to see a lot of communication at the end of the day, if you ask people in the streets, I think they are completely lost about the carbon pledge of all companies. They have the feeling that all companies are making bold commitments. I think you have a second risk is that people do it more for a compliance reason. And you know that the topic of extra financial reporting will be extremely important. And people start to compare with financial reporting. But I would say, hey, be careful. Financial reporting, with some exemption, is the same for 10 years. You cannot decide an extra financial reporting today for the next 20 years. If it does not evolve with the time, but there is a caveat here, are we going to be able to keep on upgrading those frameworks to make sure that they are in line with the expectation of the society and the planet? It strikes me that the journey that you've been on, you've had to bring many people with you and the journey where you're headed ahead of you is going to require many to join you in terms of the supply base or the distributors, and in some ways, even the customers. How have you thought about enabling, empowering, educating the supply chain to be able to meet what our leading edge demands now and bringing them into your equation for the future? That's a very good point. And again, if you come back in the past years, I think very early, the, the concept of CSR and then uh, ESG later was really about how you contribute to all your stakeholders, not only your shareholders, but all the stakeholders. Supplier was a very important one. And very early for us, for instance, at Schneider, we've made, made sure that we help to onboard all our suppliers. Some of them are big companies. They might not need too much the help of Schneider, but many of them were more mid-sized companies. And that was very important to onboard those suppliers in our journey. We started on things like which are much more related to human rights, providing decent work for their employees and so on and so forth. But there is a natural connection now with the topic of environment. So for instance, at Schneider Electric, when we look at our own carbon footprint, you have approximately 70 million megatons which are related to our scope three upstream, our supplier. 
So for instance, we talk about our strategy for the next five years. We've taken the commitment to divide by two the emission of our top 1,000 suppliers in the next five coming years. And here, we help them to do their baseline if they don't know how to do it. We help them to have access to PPA because small companies, they don't know how to address this PPA topic. So when you do a kind of pooling of demand, it's easier to help those uh, suppliers and so on and so forth. But as you rightly said, engaging all our ecosystem and in particular, our supplier has been already always a very high focus in our journey. Olivier, everyone's on a different part of the journey here to a sustainable company in a sustainable world. Any closing advice to those who are aspiring to become like Schneider in their quest for sustainability and innovation within the business? How would you encourage them at this point? Well, I would say first, be extremely humble. Don't believe you are done. I'm glad that we've been invited to share our testimony today, but I don't want to give the impression to the people that we are saying we are the best in everything. No way. I think we are just trying to be progressive in everything we do. And having this really a culture of being humble and believing that you can do always better for me, it's very, very essential. That has to be part of your culture, of your DNA. As I was telling you, I think 95% of the people who have joined and stay at Schneider today, the first reason is because of our commitment to sustainability. And at one point of time, it becomes a way to select people, to select the future leaders of Schneider Electric. Sustainability belongs to all our associates in the company. Of course, the management has a very important role to play, but every single employee in the company through their different role must contribute. So having sustainability as a very strong element of the culture to attract, to retain, to promote people is very important. You need the support from the top of the company. That's very important that the top of the company, the CEO, the board takes the topic very seriously. They position the topic as a strategic one, not as just a tick the box exercise. And last but not the least, I have elaborated already on that thing is once you have all done all of that, make sure you really build a consistent end-to-end program from the strategy to the way you set up your ambition, your target, incentive, governance with the board, governance internally. Everything is very, very important because, again, you want that to be very much integrated in the way you work, and you don't want to be only people dependent. People are very important because they set the tone, they inspire, they give the direction. But at the end of the day, the only way to work when you are a large company and when you want to impact, you know, your 150,000 associates everywhere in the world, plus your ecosystem of customers, partners, suppliers everywhere, you need to have a very, very integrated system to be successful. I think of what the chief strategist must be in the future, which is somebody that has blended these heads of strategy and sustainability together with this deep sense of sort of the people side of the organization. So bravo to Schneider for sort of having that model, <laughs> because I do think it's something we'll see in the future. Thank Very you grateful. for give, uh, giving us the opportunity to share our experience. It's always great. We believe in ecosystem anyway. But we are not competing in sustainability. We are all working together, whatever is our industry, somewhere to have a positive impact. Thank you so much. No, really appreciate that, Olivier. This podcast was part of our series on building competitive advantage in a sustainable world. For more information about this and other research topics, follow the BCG Henderson Institute's research online at bcghendersoninstitute.com and follow our podcast series on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.